You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello all, Eric Rivenis with the Most Notorious Podcast here. Each week I interview an author or historian about a historical true crime, tragedy, or disaster. Subject matter ranges from gunslingers to Gilded Age murder to gangsters to fires to pirates to wild prison breaks. My guests bring their incredible knowledge directly to you. Please subscribe to Most Notorious on your favorite podcast app. Cheers, and have a safe tomorrow. This is Harry Truman talking about his party's likely nominee in 1960. And it's not very friendly. Last Wednesday, former President Harry S. Truman resigned as a delegate to the Democratic Presidential Nominating Convention, scheduled to begin in Los Angeles a week from Monday. I have resigned as a delegate from Missouri to the Democratic National Convention. I did this because I have no desire whatever to be a party to proceedings that are taking on the aspects of a prearranged affair. The convention which is controlled in advance by one group and its candidates leaves the delegates no opportunity for a democratic choice and reduces the convention to a mockery. I've always believed that the Democratic Party should stand for an open convention and should resist any bandwagon that thwarts or stifles the free and deliberative process of this great instrument of democracy. Don't mind that happening in the Republican Convention, you understand? (laughs) The Democratic Party must never be allowed to become a party of privilege where men of modest means, or no means at all, cannot rise to a service in the nation. I want to make it clear that my disappointment at the manner in which some of the backers of Senator Joseph F. Kennedy have acted involves in no way, in my own mind, the person or qualifications of the senator himself. I think, to a great extent, Senator Kennedy is a victim of circumstances. I've always liked him personally, and I still do. And because of this feeling, I want to say to him at this time that I'm going to quote the statement that I'm making to Senator Kennedy. Senator, you, are you certain that you are quite ready for the country, or the country is ready for you, in the role of president in January 1961? I have no doubt about the political heights to which you are destined to rise, but I'm deeply concerned and troubled about the situation we are up against in the world now and in the immediate future. That is why I hope that someone with the greatest possible maturity and experience would be available at this time. And it's something I wasn't even aware of until there was a recent discussion on the Fans of My History Can Beat Up Your Politics discussion page on Facebook. And I'm going to read a comment that we received uh, on that forum, which was really good about the cast I just did uh, on the five historical trends favoring both Trump and then Hillary. Um, quick note, thank you for subscribing to the premium cast. You know, it's a, there's a good listener base for this program, but we are kind of a small club, those that are interested in politics history. So I appreciate that you can help support this program to keep it going. Just after I launched the premium podcast, I just had a recent increase in a support fee for 
one of my websites that makes this premium podcast happen. So things like that are happening all the time. There's costs. And so this is really a big support. We got people in the Friends. We got Grover Cleveland's. We got Chet Arthur's club members. And we even got Cincinnati. So it's been great. And I really appreciate it. One of the things you get, I told you you'd get bonus episodes, a little commentary on on episodes that we just did. So I'm going to read his question because it's a really good one. And it brought us some things that I didn't address. Hi, it's Bruce. Listen, we all know the news headlines are full of wild stories, like how the world is tipping towards authoritarianism, all while somehow simultaneously freezing, flooding, and on fire. It's a lot to take in. But what if, instead of being on the brink of disaster, we're actually on the cusp of a better world? If I've got your attention, then I highly recommend tuning to a podcast that offers a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people. What Could Go Right is the acclaimed news podcast from the Progress Network. Zachary Carabell and Emma Varvalukas dive into the biggest news and most pressing topics of our time, from climate change to politics, and make the case for a brighter future. Season 5 features fascinating guests like democracy scholar Yesha Munk on the hidden perils of identity politics, and NPR anchor Steve Inskeep about the importance of talking to people who differ from you, and what Abe Lincoln learned from those conversations that helped him unify the country. It's time to ditch the doom-scrolling polarization and start focusing on some of the things going right. So check out What Could Go Right wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. Eric C. Baucus writes, on our Facebook site, it is completely unprecedented for a person to be elected to president without either A, holding elected public office at the state or federal level, or B, being appointed to a federal position, cabinet, or military commission. There's no single example of this since before the current Constitution. And Eric is right about that. Secondly, Eric says, I can't think of a single incident where a person has been elected, including Nixon, where they were able to win when the former presidents of their party refused to even give tacit endorsement. Trump can't garner any support from the Bushes, and Jeb is in the never-Trump camp. Two great points, and they're two trends that I totally would consider if I did six on each a six or seven on each side. I had considered looking for ten. I never intended to just stop at five. It was just at a certain point you have to stop. I think there are many more trends favoring either one. Those are just important ones that I wanted to point out because they weren't part of the discussion. 
those five on each side that I discussed in that cast. You bring up a great one. Uh, it is unprecedented to have this level of this lack of support on the part of the former presidents. No. Close as I got for a winning candidate who wasn't supported by the party, uh, supported by the party's president, elder president, former president, uh, was 1960 when you heard Truman's not-so-flattering comments about Kennedy's too young, wait his turn, a little you know, young whippersnapper and the like. And I wanted to point that out. I, I, in the end, Truman, though, did give even more than tacit support. He, he actually went on and campaigned for Kennedy in 1960. I still just think when you listen to that uh, quick statement, it would be so jarring, and I think it would influence the minds of a lot of voters for the rest of the election, no matter what Truman did afterwards, that Truman didn't really think Kennedy was as qualified as other people could be. Now, Truman might have been helping out his friend, Adelai Stevenson. He also didn't have a great relationship with Joseph Kennedy Sr. He felt he was an isolationist, too chummy with Germany. One of the comments that Truman makes about Kennedy and referring to him being a Catholic is saying that uh, it doesn't matter which church a man goes to. It's not the Pope that I'm afraid of. It's the Pop. So, obviously, he was a little bit uh, worried about the son of Joseph Kennedy entering the White House. But you're right. Uh, this year, the fact that there's no former president on the Republican side supporting Trump uh, may be mitigated in, in some voters' minds if you take into account that you know, Trump ran against Jeb Bush, so it kind of makes it obvious, and then the two living presidents are Bushes. So, you know, there's that we don't have uh, Ford or Reagan to go to to see what they might say about Trump, although I have my I have my suspicions. Secondly, you bring up a fact that I was yeah, I was kind of blind to that. It, it totally could have been one of the trends that I mentioned in my cast, and it does counter the first trend about Hillary being a cabinet member a little, is that Trump is a novice, and you really haven't had a president who didn't come from a place of public responsibility, either being a general or being a governor or senator or something like that, or one of the few cabinet members. So, great point. Uh, closest I can think of is, you know, Nixon had like eight years as a private citizen and then came back in 68 and ran, but he was always seen as a political figure. He did run in 62 for governorship of California and lost. But he'd have a stint there. Uh, Reagan had four years. Hillary Clinton had some time out of office, too, so he didn't go right from the cabinet. So, great point and totally a respectable historical trend that you could say normally wouldn't favor Trump because no one has ever done it. It's not just rare. No one has ever done it. I think one of the reasons it didn't come up for me is that uh, there's so much venom these days about politicians and public officials and public service, and both on the left and the right, and the left more from like that Bernie Sanders camp and the right more from the Trump supporters, that public service just being equated with an opportunity for corruption these days, that uh, I wonder if it's the asset that it used to be. But I still think it must be, and historically it has been. And for a large group of voters, uh, uh, probably even a plurality, uh, that experience does matter and they will be looking at it. For, for a plurality of people who are informed and who vote. So I thank Eric a lot for his comments. And um, it... it it gave me an opportunity, uh, I very often like the comments because it gives me a little opportunity, it gave me an opportunity to kind of like do a little more research on that Truman-Kennedy 
relationship. And I uh, had no idea it made a statement like that. See, I don't know everything. <laughs> thanks for listening. And again, thanks for subscribing to the uh, Premium Podcast. Look out for more bonus episodes like this. My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a historian, professor, and the creator of History That Doesn't Suck, a podcast that provides a complete overview of U.S. history through storytelling, yet keeps the rigor you'd expect in a university class. Starting with 22-year-old George Washington in his first battle, join me for a chronological telling of the United States' story, its unlikely revolution, fractious civil war, tenacious inventors, brave reformers, and more. With more than 100 episodes, you can already binge listen your way through the progressive era. Find History That Doesn't Suck wherever you get your podcasts.